lift up this time to you. Lord, we know you're in our presence. We know that you dwell within us, but we sing of eternity, and we have to remind ourselves that our eternity with you has already begun. Lord, you dwell within us. You give us hope now. We can have communion with you. We can enjoy you to the fullest, and and we can have you lead our lives, speak to our hearts, God. And Lord, one day when we are in your presence, we will fall at your feet and worship. We will stand and dance. We will exalt your name in person, but today we get to do that here. And God, as you impart to us, as we open your word, we know you are alive and well. Your spirit is within us. Your word is alive, and you can meet us exactly where we are. Though in eternity we won't have pain and heartache, Lord, you can heal us of that now. You can comfort with us. And so, God, we open your word in expectation, knowing that you're going to speak to us because you brought us here. And so, God, for all of us, we want to say thank you for that in advance. Thank you for opening up your word to us, that your spirit would convict our hearts, would guide us, would encourage us, would nurture us. And so this morning, Lord, corporately we ask and we look with expectation that you will do something great. Lord, we give it all to you in Jesus. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. Uh, <laughs> wow, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's good to be back home, kind of, you know. We went on vacation. I mean, uh, you know, it's fun. You go on vacation. It's like, wow. And, and, you know, we had a wonderful time away by high schoolers and junior hires. I have a wonderful message if you'd like to stay. No, they don't want to. Okay, you know, the fun thing is, is so, so you know, you go on a vacation, and it's great and all, and then you come back, and you go, now I got to pay for it, right? So today, I'm going to talk to you about money. <laughs> really, I am. So you're excited about that. You know, it's funny, because, you know, Pastor Rance and Pastor Steve were complaining to me about, about the subject matter I gave them, and today, I got a really doozy one for you. But, you know, it's a good one. You know, because we, we all struggle with money, and we figure some stuff out. we got to talk about it. And, you know, you might be coming here. Maybe it's your first time. And you're going, really? Is that what you're talking about? This is going to be a reminder for you and an encouragement for you. I'm not going to ask you to give. I mean, that's all on you. This isn't what this is about. Because a lot of times we got to remind ourselves, money dictates a lot in our lives, doesn't it? And we could use some more of it, amen? I mean, man, we'd like to have more money. It would be easier, right? Like that country song says, you know, uh, you know, it's not the, the way to happiness, but it can buy me a truck and a boat to pull it, or a boat and a truck to pull it. You know the song. It's one of those things. And the thing is, it's a good song, right? Yeah, we could use a little bit more money, and we like it, and we like the idea of it. But I'll tell you one thing. It's really, I want to I encourage you here, because as a believer, we got to understand something very clear about money is it's one of the greatest hindrances for a Christian. Did you know that? Because it distracts us. It, it holds our attention. You know? You're like a cat with a shiny object. It's like, ooh, there it is. I got to have it. And we, we do that. And money is, a <clears throat> is something that we, we need, of course. And we live for money. And we live for the results of money so often. And it consumes us. And we got to guard ourselves from that. Because God, Jesus, he spoke more about money than anything else. 
Wow. Tells you a little bit about money. Because what did he say about money? Let's look at Luke real quick. He said something very key in Luke chapter 16. And he says, excuse me, yeah, chapter 16, it says, no servant can serve two masters. It says this, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. He knows that wealth is a big thing for, for the culture for humanity and it's something that men and women that are followers of God need to guard ourselves from because we can we'll we put it on a pedestal and we look at it and go that's the end all be all I got to aim for that and we got to guard ourselves from that because we're here for God and so today I'm going to talk to you about something and it's very simple it's called the purpose of prosperity and you might be sitting there going well you know what I don't know Tom you know I'm not too prosperous yes you are and we're going to talk about that See, a lot of pastors might say, you know what, you're, you're children of the king, so you better live like you're children of the king. Well, our prosperity pastors like to say that, and so you should have it all. In church, we do have it all. But we got to remind ourselves, what's the purpose of being a child of the king? See, we miss that. We think, hey, you know what, if I'm going to live like a child of the king, i got to have what like the child of the king. And look what Jesus says about that. We can go to Matthew, and in Matthew chapter chapter what is it six verse 19 and 20 it says this do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy where thieves can break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal see all it is is fleeting here He's saying, hey, you got stuff? You know what? You should be storing it up. And we hear that a lot, and we go, what is storing it up in heaven? Now, let me remind you of something real quick before we go any further. Anything you have, anything, it's a gift from God. Anything. You're going, hey, you know what? I've made myself. I'm a self-made man, right? Now, remind yourself of this. First of all, God gave you ability. He gave you intellect. So maybe you're a, a closet rocket scientist, and you're brilliant. God gave you that, that ability. Maybe you can, you can just look at two nickels, and all of a sudden it makes a dollar. God gave you that ability, that skill. See, he gave you the ability. Maybe you are just a schmoozer in sales, and you know how to work people. He gave you the ability so that you can make sales. He gave you the intellect so you could make money. See, that's the reality. So, and God gave you that for his purpose, to be a steward of it. So everything you have, you think, oh, I worked hard for it. You might have worked hard, but God gave you that ability to do it. So you got to say, what is a treasure in heaven? A lot of people have misconceptions of what treasures in heaven look like, right? We think, oh, I'm going to do a good deed. I'm going to do this and that. It goes deeper than that. It goes much deeper than that. And so I wanted to, I wanted to spell it out for us because a lot of times we miss out on what truly what a treasure in heaven is. And so I wrote it out. It's lengthy, but let's talk about it. It says this, when we yield to God, when we say, God, you're in control, I'm yielding to you and use what is his what's his everything everything for his glory and purposes then things become treasures in heaven see when you say god i'm going to use what you have given me for your glory for your purposes that's treasures in heaven now i, I want to speak a little bit because i just went on vacation 
And it was great. And I think we should all go on vacation. I think we should also take some breaks and that kind of thing. And you know what? That is for God's purpose as well, when we enjoy him. Jonathan Edwards says the greatest thing of humanity is to, is to enjoy the creation because you are enjoying the creator who made it. So when you go out to the, to the woods and you, you go out there and you see it and you are enjoying it, you are blessing, you are, you are saying, hey, you know what, when you focus and realize who made it and gave it to you, it is a blessing. God wants us to rest. God wants us to enjoy your family. He wants you to connect. And we know that it is a gift from God. So God is pleased with that. So believe it or not, when you spend some time, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And so you, you, you can say, okay, I, I'm going to do these things for God. I'm going I'm to use it for his purposes. Well, we can use our money for his purposes as well. What does God want us to do? Well, he wants us to pay our bills. Boy, wouldn't it be terrible if we were a bunch of delinquent Christians, right? What kind of a witness is that? You know, and that's what's terrible too. Is that I know there's Christians and there's, there's single parents that don't pay their child support. You are not working in God's purposes. You are not holding up your end. You know, if you are not working and you can, you are not doing what God has called you to do. See, that's purposes. He's given us purpose to, to put roofs over our heads. He's given us abilities. And those great things, those are treasures in heavens when you are being that steward that you are called to be. See, I'm amazed. I'm, gonna go, I'm amazed at what God has granted me. And my family, my mom's over here, you know. She was in on the ministry, in ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ, for for forever and she worked with my dad and they were on the mission field and so often we didn't have anything i would blame her it's her fault you know we didn't have we didn't have sometimes we didn't even have a vehicle and and i remember one time you know i got the hand-me-down clothes i got the clothes i didn't really care for but i was a kid i didn't know any better i just looked funny and my you know and that's just how it was they were on the mission field one time, and they were out, and, and, and they were gone for a couple of months, left us with some people, and, and uh, my shoe ripped, you know, and I was that kid with the sole that flapped, and there was no money. It was the 70s. Anybody remember the Carter administration? And, uh, and it was a hard time, so what did we do? My youth pastor, I wasn't, my, my sister's youth pastor, I wasn't even in junior high yet, he bought me shoes. See, God blesses. I think, of, I think of the things that God has given us. You know, here, Laura and I, we are in the ministry, and we, we're, we're working hard, and we're just amazed. We look at our house, and we just go, are you serious? We have this? I mean, it was a gift from God. We can talk about our vehicles, how God provided, and we're like, how do we have this? And we're like, we, we don't need this, and God still gives. And we're just like, what is going on? I mean, we have an abundance, and I can tell you about the miraculous things. It's amazing that I can buy a truck, you know, 17 years ago, and today it's worth more than I paid for it. I mean, you're really? Yeah. You want to go out and look at it? It's for sale. No, it's not. The thing is, God blesses, and we're, we're, it's amazing what, what he, uh, this abundance. I, I'm prosperous, and it, it doesn't make any sense. So we got to ask ourselves, and you should ask yourself this very key question, is why does God bless us with, an, with abundance? Why does he bless us with it? For his purposes. You see, we have to remind ourselves that God blesses us for something special. He gives us enough, church. And the abundance is for his purposes. That's the key. That's the understanding we have to understand because the reality is, is we don't look at it like that. So James warns the church 
Today we're going to look at James chapter 5. He's warning the church because he, he doesn't want them to get caught up in the pursuit of riches. And so he starts off, and it's an interesting verse to start off with, and he, he starts off and he's rebuking the, the, the wealthy. Now this is probably people that aren't in the church, but he's still writing it to the church because he doesn't want the church to be foolish and pursue this. Look what it says here, verse 1, chapter 5. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries which are coming upon you. See, he's, he's warning the rich. Happy and unhappy alike, you know, weep now, howl now because your miseries are about to hit. Because money doesn't sustain, especially in eternity. And he's warning the church, going, this is a warning to them. Because what's the natural bent of human nature is to envy people that have something you don't. It's natural, even for us Christians. You know, that, that's that old way of living. We look at people going, hey, they do have a boat and a truck to pull it. They do have that. They're Christians. I don't. Or, or I, they have that house, they have that, and pretty soon we want those things, and we desire those things, and he's warning them that this is, it's a foolish thing to pursue, because those rich people are, in the end, better howl in their ministry, or in their, in their misery. He's warning them of it. Is my, and being rich wrong? No. I think we, it's okay. If you're a wealthy Christian, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But we know what Paul said to Timothy. He wrote, the love, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. The root of it. See, that's the problem. That love, I gotta have. I want it. That pride of, I must hold on to it. All that stuff is something that we have to guard ourselves from. Let, let me share something to you that, that's a little deep. Listen to this. Listen to this. Wealth is not an advantage, but a spiritual handicap. What? Think about it, Christian. Look at the state of the United States. We were once a Christian nation. Now we are a prosperous nation on decline. Why? Because we don't need God. We got it all. It already happened in Europe. Europe was Christian, became prosperous. They, don't, they didn't need God. And so it becomes a spiritual handicap. You're sitting there going, well, I've got wealth. You do. You're a Christian. You're living in the United States of America. You have wealth. You have ability. But I tell you, it is a handicap for your walk with the Lord because it can get in the way. And so you've got to be vigilant. And that's what this message is about. Us being vigilant on our purpose of our prosperity. How to handle it because it's for God's glory. No matter how you look at it. We got to understand that we have wealth. Look with me if you want. It, we're going to go to 1 Timothy now. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 9. And he goes, But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plague men into ruin and destruction. What's the key word? Underline is want. How many young people, all they want, I gotta get that stuff, I gotta get the money. And then us old people, we go, I gotta keep it. I want more. 
I got to build it up. And so it's a want thing. And so that want, it consumes us. It takes over. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, he said, what? You can't serve two masters. So do you want the money or do you want God? See, that's the thing. The answer is you got destruction on one side, ruin, or you got life. You have purpose. That's what we have to understand. We are here for him. Jesus goes on. We could see it here in Luke chapter 12. And he says, Luke chapter 12, yes, verse 15. I'm on the wrong page. Here we go. It says, he said to them, beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of possessions? See, see the thing is, it's like even if you have abundance, it's not about that. That's what he's saying. We have an abundance. You might go, I don't have an abundance. Yes, you do. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money in your bank account or a little. We have an abundance, and we have to understand that our life doesn't consist of all the stuff. And that's why he goes on to say in this parable, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So my treasure, it's in my stuff, my possessions, well, there it is. That's what you want, that's what you get. And so we have to understand how to use our prosperity. Because it's not for us to just be self-indulgent. We're going to talk about that. It's not for us to, to just consume. That's, that's the worldly way. See, Christians are different. Our treasures are for heaven, not for here. So what do we need to do? The first one on how to use your money is this, is very wisely. If a Christian's prosperity is sufficiently managed. You've got to know how to manage your money. I mean, hey, you go, okay, this much is, is, is for, for vacation. Then some of us go, this much is for God. And then this much is for bills. See, a lot of times on your Excel spreadsheet, that's not the way to go. See, we, we think, hey, you know what? I'm supposed to manage my money. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to be directing your wealth. See, we have, we have, not, we are not here to accumulate vast amounts for ourselves. That's where we get wrong. We're here to manage for God's purposes. Oh, sure, we're, we're supposed to build up for retirement. Save a little bit for our kids. That, that's true. We don't want to be burdens on them, that kind of thing. We're supposed to do these things, but the reality is, is we're supposed to understand how to use our funds. Look what James says about this. Let's go to James chapter 5, verse 2. It says, Your riches have rotted, and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. So he's talking about the last days here. But we are in them. They're your last days. Okay? Understand that. We talked about that three weeks ago. It's your last days, and the reality is, is you're storing these up. And the commodities then were grain, harvested grain. And you put a lot of grain into a shed, the rats come. It rots. You know, garments were a way to show physic or physical wealth to people. And so a lot of the rich people would wear a garment, you know, and maybe just once for a party and then put it in their closet. Anybody ever do that? Say, oh, I spent some money on that dress. I spent some money on that suit. You never wear it. 
and the moths get at it. Then, of course, riches. You go, yeah, well, I invest in gold because gold is better than the dollar, right? We put it up there. And that's how they invested in jewels. And you, you put it away for that rainy day. Well, maybe you will never have a rainy day again. I mean, we think about how we invest these days. You got your 401k, you invest in the market, Bitcoin, you, you name it. Real estate. And I think of my 401k in 2008, my home value. Anybody else? Woo. You know, it goes away too. It goes away. And so we got to be weary about those things. I, lo I love this quote, and I wish I had thought of it, but it says this. It says, we deceive ourselves into thinking a six-digit salary must be accompanied by a six-digit lifestyle. What is it saying? Hey, I make more, I should live at the next level. I make more, I should have more for me. You see, that's what we have to, we, 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 we get mixed up. That's the lie of the culture. That's the lie of the culture saying, hey, this is how you should live. Live for you. And a lot of times we, we get up there and we go, yeah, 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 I like that. We got to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our abundance? What are we doing with what we have? Let, let, what are you giving? Are you, are you living over the top? See, that's, that's the wonder of it. Now, I understand, you know, in today's world, you might need a six-digit salary to get by. But you know what? What if you have a two in front of that or a six in front of that six-digit salary? Is it all on you? What does it look like? What does your abundance look like? I'm going to go now to, to 1 Corinthians. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. It says this. This is key. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having a all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. This is a key verse for money management to the believer. He gives us grace, and that grace, it also consists of sufficiency to live. Sufficiency. You see, for what purpose? To take the abundance for good deed, for treasures in heaven. Whoa. See, are you living sufficiently? This is the problem. We think, oh, I, I need more. Maybe you should get more, but that abundance, okay, maybe you're not making it. You need a little bit more to pay the bills. I get it, but what about that abundance? What about that abundance? See, the world, they're going, no, 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 I, then I can, I can raise my standard of living, and that's okay. Yeah, you, you, you do. It's okay to raise your standard of living. My standard of living has changed. I don't live with five roommates anymore. Four of them. <laughs> Two of them we made, you know? But the reality is there. I don't live like I was in college. My wife wouldn't have that. And so my standard of living did go, but what was my management like of what I have? That's what we have to ask ourselves. How are we living? How are we using it? And it's sad. You know, what are you doing? So it's, it's really sad because a lot of times, you know, we don't really give to the church. I'm not asking you to give. I'm asking you to check. Because, you know, the church often would give out of their poverty. Well, we have an abundance, but do we truly give like that? Do we give like that? 
What does your management look like? And that bleeds and shows us into this next one. A Christian's prosperity is righteously served. Righteously served. Now, what does it mean? Okay, you have prosperity, and now you are righteously serving it out. That's what you have. Your prosperity is righteously given out. It is served to others righteously. We are here for others. We are here for the work of the Lord, for his purposes, and that is how it should be used, not in the wrong way. And James tackles this one, and we can see it in verse 4. And in verse 4 it reads, Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your, you, who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord at Sabaoth. So what's he saying here? He's saying, hey, you know what? God wants us to do what we're supposed to do. You know, if someone does you a job, we're supposed to pay that person promptly, not withhold it, because back then they were withholding the pay from those day laborers. And so often we withhold. I mean, come on. How wise are you and crafty are you being on your taxes? Are you withholding what you shouldn't? What are we doing? Are we doing something that is unrighteous? We, we need to be properly serving people in this. I, I think, you know, Laura and I talk about this a lot, and she's burdened with this. It's, you know, so often, you know, our clothing is made in sweatshops around the world. And, and so what do we do? We, we, we buy that clothing, and then we buy more of that clothing. What if we just bought one or two that's not? Or what about our cobalt batteries? Who's harvesting those for your cars? Children in other lands. I sound like an environmentalist, don't I? It's crazy. Take it closer to home. What about your tipping? How's that going? You know, do you tip? You go, yeah, I don't tip anymore. Everybody's tipping these days. You know, the reality is, is how fair are you being to people? Christmas is coming. How about those missionaries you support? Are you blessing them? Are you righteously serving them or are you bringing it on yourself? See, we forget this. I, I I want to remind you of a wonderful passage you might not like, but I actually like today. I'll read it to you. Out of 1 Timothy chapter 17, listen to this. The elders who rule well are to be considered as double honor, especially those who work hard preaching and teaching. <laughs> Did I mention Christmas is coming and my wallet's empty? <laughs> For the scripture says... You shall not muzzle an ox while he is thrashing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Interesting. You know, you support the staff here. Now, I, I, I get paid well. I get paid. That's good. But understand that the staff is our paychecks are paid for by you. You might go, well, you administer them. That's true. But we can only pay them as well as the church gives. So we got to understand that. And, and it's difficult. And I know we're, we're in the same boat. I know everybody's tight. You know, Laura and I, we, we, we tithe on my salary. So technically, I'm kind of paying my own salary a little bit, right? And the thing is, is, is we have to understand that this is, this is key for us. We all make sacrifices. 
And it's sad when a church like ours has to get support from an outside source so we can have the staff we have. Because I don't know how much you give, but I know how much the church gives. And the average person gives either 1% or 3%. That's pretty sad. And we got to really go, hey, you know what? Am I properly using those funds? Are you giving to the Lord? You're saying, well, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I do, I give, I give a little bit. Are you? I mean, this is a key understanding. You know, I, I, Laura and I, we've worked, and so we, we've tried, we want to live on one income because of how we raised our family. We, we wanted to do this, and we, we trusted the Lord a lot of times, and it's been hard, it's been tight, and we've been able to finesse and get by and try some different things and that kind of thing. But a lot of pastors, and I, and I believe this for, for the church, I, I, I believe that the church, you know, it's good to have multiple in, strains of income. You know, it's wise. So if you're out there and you, you can have multiple strains of in, streams of income, that's a good thing because, because something dries up, you can have something else you can rely on. I think that's a very smart thing. But as a pastor, I don't think it's smart. And I don't think it's smart because why? As a pastor, I never want to look at the church as a commodity. If I were to sell you Amway, I'd be thinking about, hey, how can I get you to invest? If I were to sell something, and that is an ulterior motive, I want to be here for you, and I want to tell truth, I want to be truth, so I don't want to compromise the truth just so you would invest in my product or whatever it is. So I don't have a side hustle. And so that's why you have to be careful and you have to ask yourself, how am I to bless maybe those missionaries you support since it is Christmas time? What can you do? Are you being righteous with what you have, that abundance? We gotta understand, as it says in Proverbs chapter, chapter three, verse 27, and it says, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. So often we turn inward and we just focus on what we have. Do you have power to do it? Do you have power to do it? So then it leads to this. See, a Christian's prosperity is outwardly directed. It's not focused on you. It's outwardly directed. You should be using it for God's glory, not for your own. We, we, we have to understand that it, our funds that come in. Anybody get extra funds this week from the government? Anybody? Okay. Maybe you did. Now you're not going to raise your hand. I got funds from the government, and I have no idea why. I'm just thankful. Thank you, Arizona, right? And the thing is, is so we get these extra funds. Maybe you get some extra funds coming into your life, and you go, hey, what are we going to do? Let's go on vacation. Let's go do this. And go, yeah, okay. But what are you doing with those things? Are you tithing on those extra income that comes in? Well, those investments you finally cashed out of? How about this? Did you tithe on the last home you sold? Well, no, no, Tom. As we take that, and then I invested in another house. But you made a profit. Did you do that? See, we got to ask ourselves, how are we using our money on these things? Hey, you know, what are you doing with it? James, he wants us to be clear, because if we're sitting there trying, you know, we have to be good stewards, but the reality is, how are you looking at your funds? Are you hoarding them? Like those rich people, they were hoarding their grain, they were hoarding the things. Well, no, it's to be outwardly directed. Look with me, if you would, at verse 5. It says, and you have lived luxuriously on earth, and led a life to wanton pleasure, and you have fattened 
your hearts in the day of slaughter. Whoa. He said, you know, this self-indulgent lifestyle. That's what he's getting at. A pampered life. Are you sitting on the couch eating bonbons and just go, this is great. The thing is, is we have taken into account there's nothing wrong with having good things. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. But how are you living? What does your witness look like? What are people perceiving you as? Now, I have nice things. Don't get me wrong. I've got some really nice things in my house. And I say, thank God for Craigslist, right? I mean, come on, Marketplace, Facebook, there's some good deals. And the thing is, as I look at it, I have nice things. God blesses, yes. But in your lifestyle, how is it looking to others? What is it looking like? Because it says this, it says, it says very simply, your hearts are, your fattened hearts. Look at that verse. For the day of slaughter. See, people are looking at you as a target. The thieves that want what you want, that want what you have. See, that's what's going on here. So often people will look at you and say, ah, I want you because you are living a self-indulgent lifestyle. You go, no, I'm not, Tom. You know, I don't have an abundance, do I? How many people, what's the size of your TV these days? You remember the old days, the old TVs? You had to get up. Kids, you don't understand this. It was hard, but we used to work out every day. <laughs> we would get up and we would turn the channel. Grandpa had the nice set. You remember that? And the thing is, is, you know, now we have the extravagance. I have extravagance. You know, look at that. How many of us go to Starbucks for a $5 cup of coffee? Abundance. What are we doing with the rest? I love how Pastor Hughes said it. Boy, it, it, it hit home with me. A life of conspicuous consumption, delicate and soft luxury is not Christian. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. This is why I don't have a Maserati. You know, it's, I don't need it. There's nothing wrong with a Maserati if you can say, hey, this is for ministry. This is for, you know, my lifestyle because I am a Maserati dealer. Okay, fine. But the thing is, is what is your lifestyle representing? What are you doing with it? Is it outwardly directed or is it constantly me, me, me focused? Let, let me share you an example. My mom knows this guy. Is, uh, is my dad showed me, I actually introduced me to it. And this man, he was a self-made man. He ma made a multi-million dollar company. And he, he had it, but he had a desire and a prayer. And he prayed it and he wanted to live a certain way. He wanted to live on 10% of his income and give 90% back to the Lord. And he worked at it. And soon he was up 50-50. And he made it to 90%. And he still had a nice house, four-car garage across the street from a golf course, and it was a nice house. But the thing is, he had to live to a certain means for the clientele that he dealt with, but he kept his promise to the Lord, and he sought him out, and he wanted to live as God directed him, and he gave that, and God honored that. And so often we just struggle for 3%, for 1% to give back to God. Do you trust him in that? Do you trust him in that? We've got to trust God that he can do great things with our money. Look with me here. I'm going to go to, I'm going to, go to 1 Timothy in chapter 6, verse 17. It says, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be 
conceited or to fix their hope on the, unnecessary, un, unnecess, un, on the un, uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. He's going to supply it. Those things that you need to enjoy, he's going to give you the vacations. Are you trusting him with your wealth? Or are you just going, I'm going to put my hope in it? You put your hope in it, you're never going to have joy. Because you put it in the wrong God. That's what he's getting at here. we got to guard ourselves. Many of us, we're not willing to trust God with a percentage rather than, you know, at ourselves with it. He's God. It's his. Remember that? You are stewards. You are stewards of his. And that leads us here. A Christian's pro, uh, prosperity is ethically used. It's used for righteousness, not for unrighteousness. It's used not for prideful reasons, not to get your way. It's used for God's glory. And so often we use it just for ourselves. As, and we see what the rich people did in verse 6. It says, you have commended and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Now, what does that mean? Basically, you know, back in that day, the rich people, they had the judges in their pockets. They had the lawyers to do their bidding. They could pay for it. They, they could buy witnesses. Oh, wait, does that happen today? That happens today. You know that golden rule? It says, what's the golden rule? They say, the one with the gold rules. That's the reality, and we live it today. And Christian, you are that person. You have means, and you should show righteousness with it and lead with it rightly. See, you have status. You have influence. You have prosperity. Even in your old jalopy, you've got, a, you got something there. How do you wield it? How do you wield with what God has given you? How are you blessing? Are you living life ethically? Are you, do, are you cheating on your taxes? Are you living as you should be living? And in and, and Psalms, it says very plainly, in Psalm 50, verse 10, it reads, For every beast of the forest is mine. That's God. The cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. Every commodity is his. It's his to bestow and his to take away. And he wants to see his child use the things wisely. And we are not here to be unethical stewards. We are here to be righteous people with God's prosperity. And that is a testimony to the world. That is a testimony. People want to see if they can trust you. God wants to see, are you trustworthy? Let me close with this verse here out of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 he says he who steals steal no longer but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who is in need now he's talking to the person that's the lowest the lowest is someone who's stealing and you know what though everybody above it is applied to this because why? We are to use what we have to bless people for what is in need. That's what we're to do with our abundance. We are to live sufficiently, but our abundance is for every good deed. Do you remember that verse? And so often, you know, we have this self-entitlement understanding going, you know what? I deserve mine. 
That's what our culture says. It's mine. You know, a lot of young people, what do they want to do? They want to start off in the corner office where in reality they need to be in the mail room. So do adults. We think the same way. I want it. I deserve it. But you are called to work. Work isn't fun. That's why it's called work. My mom made that up, right? Did your mom make that one up too? The thing is, is we're to work at it and build it. And we're to use it and have the attitude to bless others. The attitude towards God to to use it for his glory. Let me share with you what Piper said. He said, God has made us to be conduits of his grace. The danger is in thinking that the conduit should be lined with gold. It shouldn't. Copper will do. Copper can carry unbelievable riches to others. You don't have to have a gold-lined house, car, or bank account. Copper will do. Christian, you are to live sufficiently. And your abundance is for God's glory. That's treasures in heaven. That's what it's all about. That's prosperity using your prosperity for god's glory brings true prosperity that's a promise of god that's treasure in heaven he's worthy to be trusted with not only your soul but with our bank accounts and what he has given us because there already is what are you going to do What are you going to do with that prosperity? Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, we can do great things with what you've given us. Lord, we can minister in ways beyond we ever thought of if we just open our hearts in willingness to you, God. Lord, help us to keep from from want of jealousy, from hoarding and believing We must have ours, God. Let us give back to you, whatever that is, whatever you put on us, Lord. Let us righteously live for you. Let us be the stewards that you have called us to be. And in that, we know we will have joy. We know we will have rest. We know that we will have provision. God, be with this church as they go. I ask that you would encourage their hearts in whatever area that you put your your, your prompting on. Let us listen to that prompting. Let us seek it out and let your abundance flow through us, God. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you need prayer, we're gonna have some prayer warriors up here. And until next,